This is episode 36 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Fleur Hughes. I think supervision is also really important because at times as well, if I haven't been, you know, for scope of practice, sometimes it's, it's you need someone to clarify, really, should you be doing that? Or is that the role of somebody else? Um, but it's for my own learning and growth. And also, the sort of therapy part is, you know, if I'm struggling things with it's my personal life or whatever, I cannot take that into my session. And if I don't have a way to work through that, um, so therapy's really become a part of my own self-care, then how can I best serve my client? You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. And today I have part two of my conversation with Fleur Hughes. Uh, This was, again, a very in-depth conversation that centered around cultural diversity and uh, the philosophical questions we ask ourselves in practice, as well as adapting to the different settings we're in and the experience of being both a supervisor and a supervisee. So I really enjoyed talking about those topics with Fleur. If you are enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts as well as joining our group on Facebook. That's a great way to connect with other listeners, ask questions if you have them, and tell us what you think about the episodes. What did you learn? What do you want to see more of? Um, And gain some insight from the other listeners as well. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, please consider becoming a patron over on patreon.com. And without further ado, let's get into this episode. So let's shift gears a little bit. Tell us about your experience and your thoughts with supervision and why it's so important for us as music therapists. So one of the things that sort of made the course unique in the UK is over the three years, you had to have basically 40 hours of therapy, personal therapy. Um, And again, you know, I went into this course, I I can tell the class, I'd I'd never had senior therapy. And um, my first thought was like, oh, well, I don't need therapy. Who needs therapy, you know, until it became apparent when you started working and just some of the stuff you, you start dealing with why therapy or even just sort of clinical supervision is very important and in my own practice something that I've maintained as I as I you know I I finished my degree I started going into my work is I've continued with my own supervision so once a month I have a a clinical supervisor who I meet with she's a music therapist and a psychotherapist so I sort of get the best of both worlds there but it's it's a lot of things sometimes 
I, I need advice on a difficult client. Like, how do I deal with these feelings of frustration? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes we work with difficult people and, I, I, you know, we need to process that because I can't take those feelings of frustration into the session with my client. You know, sometimes I've, you know, she's challenged me with, you know, have you actually thought about trying something this way or looking at something from that point of view? Um, you know, one of the things we discussed once, for instance, was a well, as, as well uh, an intervention, for instance, working with people who have disabilities. Um, yeah, often people say yeah, you're disabled. So we're taking away the abledness. There's this, this idea that you're broken. And, uh, you know, my uh, supervisor actually mentioned make instruments with people. So, you know, in your first few sessions, get them to, to build their own instruments. And it's this idea of you're taking something that's not there, paper plates, bells, and put them together and build a tambourine. So you're taking something that's broken and fixing it. But that sort of sort of physical application of it allows your client to feel that they're in a way sort of fixing themselves as well. Um, but I think supervision is also really important because at times as well, if I haven't been you know, for scope of practice, sometimes it's, it's, you need someone to clarify, really, should you be doing that? Or is that the role of somebody else? Um, but it's for my own learning and growth. And also, the sort of therapy part is, you know, if I'm struggling things, whether it's my personal life, or whatever, I cannot take that into my session. And if I don't have a way to work through that, um, so therapy's really become a part of my own self care, then how can I best serve my client? And and also, as my work has changed, it's I found my sort of uh, clinical supervisor also really helpful in in sort of leading me along my professional growth. So you know, when I qualified back uh, twenty four, uh, I've been doing this since sort of yeah twenty fifteen. Um, you know, I had the fears and the things as a, as a new therapist. And often my questions would be like, you know, but what if this doesn't work out? You know, what if I'm not going to have a job in two or three years? Like, what if, what if, what if? Um, you know, and her, her answer was always, it's never the what if. It's a, you know, just keep going type thing. Um, and and then sort of later on, as I started settling into my career and then started thinking a little bit about maybe I would like to take on an intern or maybe I would like to lecture or maybe I would like to study further. Um, you know, she's been able to guide me through that process. And uh, essentially, you know, looking ahead, um, it's the new year and we have new goals. But um, I, I will be taking on my first intern, for instance. Congratulations. Our uh, sort of um, conversations in, in, in supervision are, are now moving towards me as a supervisor, as opposed to not just me as the person who she's supervising. So there's a sort of shift in, in dynamic. Um, and then also, you know, in um, my own learning moving forward as well, is I'll be doing some lecturing this year for the first time. Congratulations. Also, you know, she's been very helpful in, in, in making me just reflect on how academic and being a supervisor, as much as the one part of being a music therapist, they're very different to the sort of clinical part of the work. And reflecting on, you know, for instance, what would flow the supervisor be like and, and discussing different models of supervision or, you know, as a lecturer, you know, how do you want students to see you? Um, so supervision, you know, even once you've qualified, I really do encourage people to continue with it with personal therapy or, or like in my case, where they can have someone who can be 
a therapist and a supervisor to to continue with that because um, it makes for richer it makes your own practice much richer and also um, just helps you to sort of work through some of the things where you might not always have the answers. And I love peer supervision. You know, you get together with a friend, you have a cup of coffee, but sometimes, you know, somebody else is in the same area as you, doing the same work as you, they're not a different set of eyes. And I find as well, sometimes, my, you know, with, with, with supervision, you need someone to look at something not biased, you know, look at something from, from an outside point of view, and then it just sort of gives you that clarity to, to perhaps look at things differently as well. Yeah. So going on that, um, for, as someone who was trained in the UK as a music therapist and coming here, or I shouldn't say here because you're in Canada and I'm in the yeah, United yeah. States, but <laughs> uh, what differences have you noticed in your therapy in comparison to your colleagues and how will that allow you to uniquely supervise someone who has been trained in Canada but has you as a supervisor now? I'd say one one big thing is the use of the guitar. Ah. So in the UK, like all my training was on the piano. Oh, I cool. actually self-taught myself guitar once I came to Canada. Interesting. Um, so you know, I, I, I've noticed you know some people who I've, I've, I've talked with, like it's it's a challenge for them to use their orchestral instruments. I use flute um, or the piano because you know part of the training is mostly sort of voice and guitar. So. In the UK as well, a lot of our, our training is very much based in improvisation. So, you know, one of the things I'm hoping to impart with my sort of knowledge as a supervisor is step back from the guitar and use your orchestral instrument if you, if you have that. If you're using your voice, don't just think about singing songs, but how can you use your voice in different ways? Um, also, using like body percussion. You know, don't, you don't need a drum to be able to make music. Like, use your body. Think about how can we incorporate things like that into what we're doing as well. Um, and in the UK, I think a big part of it as well is uh, one thing I really appreciate about our supervisors is it's they sort of let you be free. And then when you had to deal with something, you would come to them. You know, they, they certainly did not micromanage you where it was like, you know, you need to be doing it this way, follow it this way, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I think as well, it's being able to give your um, intern enough confidence to be able to feel that they can explore and learn, but then also respect and have that relationship with you that when they need the help to come to you, you know, I'm certainly not going to be the type of supervisor where it's going to be like, your session has to look this way, and, you know, you need to be doing it this way. And also, you know, if you make a mistake, learn from it. That's the other thing. It's you know, in the UK as well, uh, we had, you know, we had a lot of constructive criticism, which is a very important part as a therapist. And if you, you know, if, if let's say, for instance, you had to learn four basic chords to be able to play a song, if you don't know the songs and you can't sing the song, you're not really doing the best for your client, are you? So then it's perhaps having that conversation around, you need to be practicing a little bit more guitar so you can learn those things. Um, so it's, and, you know, there's a fine line as well between, um, yeah, yeah, I think a therapist, we find it, not criticism, but it's, it's hard for somebody to tell you actually what you're doing is, is not the correct thing or not the right thing. But then how do you work through that? Do you just sort of give up and say, well, I'm done now? Or is it a case of, okay, you know, this is how I can learn and improve? Um, and in the UK, I'd say my, my, my supervisors were really good for that. And also, um, 
you know, it's it's a case of, you know, if, if I said to them, well, I'm, I'm dealing, I'm, I'm, let's say, I want some songs to deal with social skills, then they would always say, well, instead of me just telling you what to do, go see if you can find anything, and then if you don't, we, you know, come back here. But I think as well, it's always sort of putting that onus on um, getting your your intern to find things for themselves and work through things for themselves while you support them. Mm. Because again, when I go, once you qualify and you go into the job, um, you know, you don't always have immediate support. So sometimes you have to figure things out for yourself, but then also knowing where you can go for support. Um, but also as a supervisor, I'm very open to learning. Um, and the person who I have who's, who's coming in as my intern um, she hasn't even started and I've already learned some stuff from her awesome. so I think as well you know music therapy is ever-changing and what I did five years ago is great but there's so many more new things coming out and even just the way we engage with technology and stuff mm. so I'm opening myself up to an experience where I'm also hoping to learn from my intern um, and that sort of supervisor supervisee relationship it is a give and take you know I hope I have experience and knowledge that I can impart to her but then the reciprocal thing will be, what am I learning through this process? And, uh, you know, also for myself in terms of career development, you know, as a therapist, as you evolve, you probably will go from being a new grad into at some point maybe taking on some interns. Maybe at some point you want to do a PhD or go into academics. You know, your, your career will, will evolve. And sort of, you know, five years down the line, I find that doing some lecturing and starting to take on interns and this is sort of the next step up in my career for me as well. Yeah. What a beautiful time in your life. And your your love of learning is so um, insatiable. Like, I, I just love it. It makes me it makes me want to do the same thing. It makes It's like, okay, so I don't necessarily have that linear path, but what you just described is like a great um, blueprint for, you know, in, in five years, in 10 years, what am I going to be doing to deepen my practice to grow as an individual and as a professional? And um, the give and take with the intern, I love that so much too. Thank you. So we have covered a lot of awesome, awesome topics. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we move into our rapid fire? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I'm all good for the rapid, the rapid fire. I'm, I'm ready to go. Awesome. So you listen to the podcast. Do you know what the first rapid fire question is? Is it coffee or tea? Yeah, coffee. nice job. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to have to say coffee. Coffee. Awesome. Early bird or night owl? Hmm. That's a hard one. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm going to have to say neither at the moment. Uh, weekends, if I'm not working, I definitely like having a lion. Mm. Uh, whereas sometimes I find if I'm doing research or work, I actually think better in the evening once the day is done. So it depends. Depends on the day. Depends how busy I've been. Yeah. Something you would tell your younger self. Oh, yes. Actually, I made, I made a note of that one. So um, something I would tell my later self my, my younger self give me a sick um i was thinking back to actually what i was like in my early 20s and how you know insecure you can be you, you're not sure about whether what you're studying is the right thing so much is happening but um i would sort of say to myself dear 23 year old me 
don't try to plan too far in advance. Uh, your life is going to be going through consistent change. And really, change is the only thing you can be certain of. Um, none of us have it figured out. I still don't. Um, I'm 39. I'm turning 40 next year. But um, yeah, planning too far ahead doesn't allow you to enjoy the moment where you are living right now. You know, have, have a goal, have a direction. But if that doesn't work out for you, then just don't sweat it. And I would sort of reassure my younger self as well that everything will happen at the right moment when it's supposed to. Uh, you know, and if I think about sort of my own right moments, um, you know, if at the time I hadn't, you know, left teaching, joined the army, things like that, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. So really just take the time to enjoy the now. Oh, so wonderfully said. And I invite anyone who's listening when you're done with this episode, take a second and write a note to 23-year-old you. Or if you're not 23 yet, 16-year-old you or whatever, because that's an <laughs> awesome exercise. Oh, beautiful. Um, your music therapy elevator speech. Oh, yes. Um, so this is sort of a bit of a mix mash from the one from the BAMT and the CAMT and sort of some of the others. But um, I would say that music therapy is an evidence-based practice where credentialed or accredited professional uses music-based interventions to meet a non-musical goal or outcome. For example, we might use lyric analysis to develop self-expression or rhythm to improve someone's gait. Using a music-based framework, we focus on establishing a therapeutic relationship. And at the core of our work, this is the relationship in how we support and encourage our clients at whatever stage they are in their wellness or therapeutic journey. Um, I would also sort of go on to say that the therapeutic relationship is key within our work, as it's within this relationship that we connect with our clients. And we also assist them to sort of reconnect uh, with themselves and others. Nicely stated. Is that on your website somewhere? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. But you know what? I think I should put that in there. Yeah, actually. yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I was writing this down yesterday. So. <laughs> <laughs> you are prepared for this. Your favorite self-care practice. And I'm going to add another question to this that I was going to ask you earlier. Yeah. But as someone who was a musician, went into the army, found music therapy, yeah. and is working with other people with... Um, uh, adults with mental illness or uh, similar populations, how do you use music? So my two questions are oh. your favorite self-care practice and then how you specifically use music with all those uh, life experiences you have. Perfect. So my, my favorite current self-care practice is horse riding. I've gotten back into horse riding. Um, I love it because horses are pretty much silent. Mm. So I love the silence part of it. For me, I have so much noise in my day uh, in a good way, great noise but I, I need quiet. So once a week I go riding and just being around horses as well, they feed up your energy. I'm a very energetic sort of lively person. I need to calm down when I'm around a horse. So that allows me to ground myself a little bit as well. So, you know, for me, animals are a big part of self-care. I have two cats, so I get constant cat cuddles. <laughs> um, you know, I love, I love being around animals. Um, so just spending time in nature, being with animals, that's one part of it. And, you know, how do I engage in music? And that has certainly changed through the years. On one hand, I used to do a lot of accompaniment. And what I used to love about ballet accompaniment specifically is sort of as a self-care thing, uh, when you play, 
you play the music's done there's no other singing and just watching the movements and the music it's such a beautiful fluid thing and that sort of flow sort of you know affects you it just allows you to calm down and relax too but um in my own day now i do a lot of driving so i listen to a lot of music while i'm driving uh if I've maybe had a bad session, that's normally when uh, the Nine Inch Nails comes on. And the, <laughs> I do love listening to Nine Inch Nails to self-regulate a little bit. Um, in the mornings when I drive to work, you know, if I need a bit of a pickup, it's Chemical Brothers. I have a bit of an eclectic music taste. Mm. Other times, you know, I live out in the prairies, which is beautiful. We can see the mountains around us. And um, I love putting on Philip Glass and just listening to, you know, like the soundtrack from the hours. But um, sort of listening to music as well as opposed to playing it or singing, has become a big part of my self-care routine. And part of that comes back to mindfulness as well, because often I really need to just truly remind myself, like, how am I listening and what am I listening to? And without the need for the talking, just hearing, you know, sort of where does the music take me and experiencing that. So listening is a great way to sort of ground yourself. Um, and, you know, in one way, a big part of my career that has changed is I don't perform um, in, anymore. You, you know, I find in a way also when you are engaging in, in sessions, there's a certain amount of performance around that as a musician. It, you know, as a therapist, you're also performing. Um, but uh, just, you know, I find that music can become all-encompassing. So I also like finding things outside of work that are not, that, that is not music. Um, so that's why I'm even just getting back into horse riding, cooking, I've got an embroidery, um, collecting crystals, just other things which which interest me because, you know, with the music, working in music and being in music consistently, it can become a lot. And I love music, but also I don't want to become that thing that becomes so all-encompassing that if I hear a song, I'll just going to turn the radio off. So it's important, you know, part of self-care is to also have distractions from outside the music yeah well stated thank you something that is currently adding value to your life i'd have to say my new my, my new job so um my role sort of in the job that i'm now um i've been a music therapist there for about three months i started in september and i just love seeing how children view the world you know, I, I work with adults, I work with teens. It's, it's really different. But young kids in elementary, that idea of um, everything's new, everything's an adventure, everything's exciting, and feeding off that energy. You know, when I have a day when I get to work and I might be feeling tired because I haven't slept well or something, you know, just feeling that energy sort of feeds me and lifts me up. So I, I've really been enjoying that. Also, learning new things in in, in the environment that I'm in, um, something I hadn't used for a while, for instance, are um, assistive is assistive, assistive technology. So looking at how we incorporate AT devices into music therapy, um, that is certainly something that's added a lot of meaning to my life because, you know, sitting here, I don't know how I'd be able to communicate with you if I didn't have a voice. Mm. And sitting here with my technology device would look so different. So I've just really learned to respect and be grateful for the fact that we also am in a country now where people ha have technology and stuff to be able to, to speak with and use. Yeah. And um, essentially, you know, like I said, something else as well is uh, this, this, this sort of new opportunity we're having an intern come in 
and sort of growing into that next part of what my career is going to look like. So lots of new exciting things, new year, new starts, um, which is great. Awesome. Your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? So one of my favorite songs is Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Um, I like using it in two different ways. So in my private practice, when I'm working with teens, I like discussing, you know, what are things you want to shake off in your day. So often they'll say school stress or, you know, annoying boyfriend, things like that, <laughs> anger, yeah. frustration. So we talk about what we can shake off. And um, I like then handing out instruments that we can shake, so thunder drum shakers, maracas, anything like that. And as I sing for the intervention once, we actually do that, this physical action of I'm shaking something off, I'm letting it go. Um, in the elementary school, slightly different. Again, we do use the instruments, but something I like incorporating, uh, and I just spoke about this, are, for instance, the assistive technology devices, where if somebody can um, type in the words shake it off on their device, when it comes to that chorus part, when they press their device, they sing it. So that's a way for them to use their voice. Um, but then also reflecting, you know, you know, most kids at the start of the say, song can say, I'm feeling like sad. And then we sing the song and then ask them, so how do you feel at the end? Happy. Um, in, in, in a more basic form. But also you can add in different words. I had a site where we decided to, um, somebody said, wouldn't it be great if we took the song and then we spoke about different types of tea. And it was really funny. So like I said, singing like Shake It Off, we sang like green tea, matcha tea, you know, rubus tea. Um, and the, the person got just so excited, like over the, the fact that we'd gone and changed the words to something so simple. But like one of their main little pleasures in their life was tea. They love tea. It's something that cleanses them, brings them up in their day. Um, so also just seeing sometimes how I would never have thought about taking that song and changing the lyrics to tea. But sometimes, you know, how a client can give me something to think about. So, you know, we've sometimes, um, I've, I've adapted that song in a few different ways. And, um, and another way as well is also like for turn taking. So when you go through the different refrains, you can have different colors of shakers. So, you know, when you hear this phrase, the red shakers are going to shake. When you hear this chorus, the yellow shakers are going to shake. So it's also quite a good song to sort of work on social skills. Um, and another intervention that I also enjoy doing, and it's, it's actually not a song-related one, but it's talking about tone, color, and, and, and emotion. So in its simplest form, if I'm feeling blue, then, for instance, I might reflect a blues song. We might do like a 12-bar blues. But then in the next session, we might, I might then bring in paint and then talk about, you know, if we listen to different pieces of music, so like Claire de Lune by Debussy or um, The Sea by Ralph Vaughan Williams, you know, what kind of blues do you feel through the emotions of the music? And then people can paint or color or draw that. And if you're working with kids, this is a great way to tie in something like zones of regulation. So, when, you know, when we talk about the different emotions, like if red's anger, what does red angry music sound like? And then, for instance, we might get out the drums and we'd play red angry music. But then the other spectrum, red is also the color of love. So how would that sound differently if we had to drum something like that? So then maybe we'd only use one drum and, and, and share because, you know, we're sharing, we're, we're being closer to each other. 
So um, just yeah, two interventions that I use, and they both can be adapted from working with little ones all the way up to sort of elderly. Yeah, those are really helpful. Thank, Thank you. you. Awesome. So to finish us off here, where can listeners find you, connect with you, all your so stuff? Like I that? am on Facebook and Instagram, so you can follow me um, at Music Therapy Forty Two Four Two, and um, my email is musictherapy42 at yahoo.com. And I also have a website, www.musictherapy42.com. And uh, if, if you were wondering why the number 42, uh, I love reading. And I don't know if you're familiar with... Can I guess? Uh, yes, please do. Is it the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Oh, yeah. It is. <laughs> do you remember what 42 is? It's the answer to everything. Because music therapy is the answer to everything. Oh, I love that. Oh, my heart. <laughs> I love that. Oh, so I feel like we're kindred spirits, you and I. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, I love that too. So thank you. Oh, awesome. All right. So I will link all of, oops, hitting the microphone, link all of those things below, as well as the resources you mentioned. Uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for making the time to talk with me and share with the listeners. And thank you so much, Trisha, for your time as well and, and the podcast. I've really been enjoying them. So it's great as well that we can sort of connect in different parts of the world through tech. Yeah. Yeah. What a time to be alive. Indeed. Have a wonderful weekend. And happy you. New Year. Yes, happy new year. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I get still sunny there. The sun has set here, but <laughs> Yes, no, it's, it's okay. It's a bit dreary, a bit gray, a bit cloudy. Perfect Winter, podcast yeah. recording weather. Exactly. <laughs> Time to do taxes weather. There we oh, go. Oh yeah. I'm I have my meeting with my accountant on Monday, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye bye. What a good, insightful conversation. Fleur's energy uh, and her insatiable need to learn things is so contagious. Uh, and I love being able to talk with other MTs as well as professionals in general who are just excited about what they're doing, where they are in life and the endless possibilities ahead of them. So I hope you feel that way or any other positive words that come to mind after listening to this conversation and let us know what you think. Let us know what you learned uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, wherever you'd like to share with other listeners. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, please send an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. Guests and listeners are what make this project possible, and I have learned so much, gained so much insight and knowledge over the past, gosh, what's it been? Almost a year of uh, doing these interviews and posting these podcasts, and I hope to continue to do it. So please consider being on the, on the show, uh, no matter where you are in your music therapy evolution, if you're a student doing a research project and you really want to share, or you're a young professional and you want to tell about your experience, or you're a seasoned professional and you just did a presentation at conference that you want to get out to more people, 
any of those things, everything in between. I think that we can all learn so much from each other. So please, please, please consider reaching out and being on the show. Um, to date, our second most listened to episode was with Nicole Bermaher, who is currently an intern. So if you think that you might not have something to share because of where you are, that is so not true. Uh, the listeners are looking for your unique insight uh, and having an intern be able to share their experience and so many people looking to learn from that is, I think, really a wonderful example of how our profession is so open to learning in general. So no matter where you are in your journey, please, please consider reaching out to be on the show so that we can all learn from you and your experience. If that's not quite your jam, but you want to support the podcast, please consider becoming a patron over on patreon.com. And if you do, you'll have the opportunity to ask guest questions. So if there's a guest that you heard and really wished you could have asked a specific question to, this is your opportunity to be able to do that in the future. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I so much appreciate your support and I will see you in the next one. Mm -hmm.